When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles. And so this is kind of a highly anticipated episode for me personally, just because uh, Jake Burns, who is coming on to talk with me about the Browns-Broncos game, is a film analyst that I have, I've again, like I've been following for years now. He's... Somebody who, even when the Broncos weren't playing the Browns, he's somebody that I've learned a lot about film from. I follow his work just because, first of all, I like Baker Mayfield, but also because like I read his stuff and I actually feel like I'm really learning. Um, so hopefully you guys do as well. Um, if you guys do not already follow him on Twitter, you should. He writes for the Orange and Brown Report, um, and his Twitter is Jake underscore Burns 18. And then the OBR is at the OBR. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, man. I'm really, really stoked to talk with you. Joe, way too kind, man. Seriously, not, not even, uh, not even necessary to, to to say all that stuff. But it's so kind. I appreciate it, man. And and you know, I have nothing but respect for you. Great discourse on Twitter, and anytime we come across each other, and you did a great job on my pod yesterday to help our fan base get to know the Broncos. So I am, I am privileged to be here on yours, man. Hopefully, I can do the same for you and, and your and your Denver followers. So kind of. Right, right off the bat, I think we have to talk about the injury situation just because I think, honestly, with a short week, um, Thursday night game, health, all that, like it's availabilities, honestly, may very well determine this game. Um, by the time you guys are listening to this, you probably already know Baker Mayfield will not play. Uh, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, both out. Um, as of right now, 
it looks like the tackles, both Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills are also questionable. Uh, what, where do you kind of land on this? And like, how do you feel about like the potential replacements? I know Broncos fans are pretty familiar with case Keenum from like our time with him. Um, but how do you kind of feel about Keenum in the Stefanski offense? Well, the thing that there's a big misconception, Joe, that, that, that Keenum has a bunch of experience in in Kevin's offense. Well, that's not actually the truth. They, they work together under, I think they worked together under Shermer, if I if I recall, in 2017. I could be wrong about that, but I it was not Kevin's offense. Kevin was the OC. If you look at the 2017 Minnesota Vikings season, Kevin was the quarterback's coach, which, you know, they work hand-in-hand in, hand in that role. But they, this was definitely it was Pat Shermer's offense. So it wasn't like when he arrived in Cleveland that he was, like, coming back into this offense that he was accustomed to. Now, he worked in Denver with Scangrello, so – he knew the structure, right? The quarterback collective stuff, like had an idea of the structure. I think, you know, for the most part, if I'm tracking this right, which I could be tracking it wrong, but I think I'm on the right path. But again, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But, um, so they, they worked under the, uh, when he was with Denver, Keenum was with, uh, Bill Musgrave. And, uh, so when the Broncos hired Rich Cangarello, they decided, and again, like I, at the time I was very critical of this. Um, I was off it, a year. No, you're right? good. Yeah. Yep. But or was I? All, it was 2019. No, this game 20, got there. Yep. That's but right. It, but it's also I don't fault you for this because it's one of those things where Denver had different OCs every year up until this year. <laughs> like it's it, it it's such a it, it yeah it's a whole thing. But uh, when Keenum when Skangarell came on, the Broncos actually shipped Keenum off to Washington. Did something similar to what Carolina did with Teddy Bridgewater, where they ate a bunch of dead money for him to play somewhere else. Um, I think they ate 6.5 million dollars for Keenum to be with Washington at the time. And then they traded a fourth round pick for Joe Flacco, who by just about every measure imaginable that season, 2019 was worse. Um, I personally thought Keenum, and again, I don't think he's a world beater by any means, but at least until Bridgewater, Keenum was probably the Broncos best quarterback since Peyton Manning. Yeah, he's, I mean, Keenum's fine. He, he's, he's certainly yeah. better suited to be a backup. You know, yeah. I think I, I trace Keenum back to his, his first three years in Houston when he got some exposure in 13 and 14, I believe that was with uh, Kubiak. So it was between Wade Phillips and Kubiak. Kubiak got fired, so he didn't get a ton of time, but he got some exposure to it. So nonetheless, he's been here a year. Back to your original question. He's been in the offense for a year. He didn't play last year. Obviously, Baker's never really missed a start. I mean, it's pretty remarkable considering where the Browns were for all that time, but he uh he's at least been exposed to it he'll be fine he's he's always been okay in the preseason and i'm sure just like denver fans felt about him like yeah he's okay he's a professional quarterback he's fine at the lower end of the, the spectrum there but he's not going to go out and win you football games if you play well around him you can win plenty of football games but that's the problem going into tomorrow night is they don't have the dudes around them that they would traditionally have they might be missing both tackles they're clearly already missing chubb and hunt who are already ruled out uh Odell Beckham's dealing with a pretty gnarly AC joint sprain so it's up in the air whether he's going to play I think he will play but uh we'll see if he does actually end up going through and playing but you know you 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 put all that stuff together you know missing Jarvis Landry all of it is like a lot and I don't think he's the type of quarterback who can overcome all of that so you you know the hope for Cleveland fans is because Baker hasn't been put on IR I don't know what's going on it feels to me like he should get surgery and wipe out this season for him personally 
but they are letting it linger. Maybe case they think can be a stopgap while they get Baker's shoulder stability and inflammation to go down. I'm not again. The the plan there is very murky. We'll see what happens. But for for a one night thing, you know, you never know. You, you really you really never know. And there's motivation there. He played in Denver. He got traded off by Denver. I mean, there's some you know there's some weird right you know comeback type of game stuff happening there so we'll see i mean i'm not i'm he's he's a high-end backup that's what he is yeah. so if he has to play eight nine ten games in a season he's gonna play like a low-end starter if he's a high-end backup you're a low-end starter so that's kind of what case is he'll he's not gonna he doesn't have a great you guys know this doesn't have a great arm he'll try to throw some anticipation to make up for the arm strength but he'll also put the ball in harm's way every now and again uh because he's not afraid to do that stuff but um we'll see you know we'll see if they scheme up some easy things for him the thing is with the way baker was playing hurt i i don't see there be so for, for the sake of yeah. this game only because that's all you guys really care about is this game obviously um i don't see there being a massive massive drop off just because baker was playing so poorly injured that case being completely healthy has a chance to replicate that if not be a little better because he can he can be a little bit more comfortable with the eyes and trusting what he's seeing and throwing it baker was really starting to hesitate doubt what he was seeing because he was afraid to rip it with the, with the front shoulder being so beat up. So uh, that's just a little piece of, uh, of stuff to watch. And we'll see if Cleveland gets creative with ways to get him some schemed up throws in this one. Well, and that's honestly probably my biggest concern is because I, 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 over the last two days, I, I crammed as much Browns tape as I could. And that's one of those things I started to notice too, is Baker's mechanics. There's times where he's not, you can tell, like you can tell he's in pain. Um, and whereas with Keenum, Keenum's going to be, completely fresh. The Broncos don't have any recent tape on him. So it's almost similar in a way to the way the Broncos kind of went into the game last week where Greg Olson was taking over play calling and the Broncos knew the personnel they were going to be dealing with, which is obviously a little bit different now, but Greg Olson had all this tape on the Fangio defense, whereas the Broncos had the Gruden offense in terms of tendencies. So mm -hmm. that could be a problem. Do you expect Stefanski's offense to, I mean, it'll still look like Stefanski's offense, right? Well, yeah, I don't think anything will change, partly because if they, if they were changing things and maybe there's some answers behind closed doors, but we don't we don't know, Joe, what they really think about Baker's future here. If it were, we're already ruling him out for the year. Maybe you could see some of that. But again, it's a short week. What do you how much how much practice time are you really getting out there to go through and tweak a bunch of stuff? They might have some different tendencies, but. You know, for the most part, Keenum's not as Baker's not a great athlete, but Keenum's a worse athlete. So you're not going to put in a whole bunch of moving things for him all the time. Like mm -hmm. they could boot him, they'll boot him a little bit here and there, but they're not going to, not going to get really crazy and do any kind of like read stuff. Or I don't even, I don't think they'll mix in. They're a low RPO team, one of the lower in the entire uh, NFL. I don't think they'll do any of that either. So they'll be who they are uh, and, and they'll try to, I would imagine, try to mix in tendency beaters which is because i thought the cardinals started to pick up on a lot of tendencies and what they were doing so i would hope uh given the fact that 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 someone was doing that on just sunday you could find some wrinkles off of things that you have been doing that are very tendency based so uh same offense same structure we'll see if they throw in anything that keeps keeps denver a little off guard if conklin and wills can't play how bad do those matchups look to you against the broncos front from what you've seen well, I'm not sure. I can't speak to who plays opposite. I know Bradley yeah, Chubb does, yeah. but he's hurt. I, I, you can tell me who's playing opposite Von Miller. I mean, Von Miller's special. We, we know that. I mean, he's, he's as good as it gets in the NFL. But they did have Blake Hans out there in L.A. against the Chargers playing Joey Bosa all game. And Joey Bosa's pretty damn good himself. Excuse my language. No, so you're good. They're, not, they're not unexposed to 
or unaccustomed to that for Blake. Like Blake gets help. They'll help a lot. They'll double him. They'll, they'll bunch set receivers in and have them chip, get a piece before they go out on a shallow or, you know, they'll, they'll inline tight ends or put a tight end as a sniffer and double team. They'll do a bunch of different things. I would imagine for Vaughn, I can't speak to what the, the rest of the pass rush will do. I mean, the, the weakness will be wherever Vaughn isn't because they'll, they'll send help that way, but they're, they're really dealing with two weaknesses and, James Hudson, who's a fourth-round rookie playing on the right side, and then you got Blake Hance, who Blake Hance to me is a guard. He's a guard-center guard player, but he's playing left tackle out of necessity because they're also down Chris Hubbard, their their swing tackle. So they're like three tackles down. They're playing four and guy number four and guy number five. It's really just been a disaster of injuries this year for Cleveland. But uh, yeah, I, they'll help. They'll, they were okay last week. I didn't think they were good. They, they gave up a couple clean runs to Baker, where it was like, that's pretty ugly. But for the most part, they're okay. And the sacks that Baker took, four of the five of them ended up being on him. You know, getting out of the pocket, escaping things, but then holding on to the ball too long mm-hmm. and not throwing downfield and taking a hit and not seeing the hit and getting sack fumbled, right? So uh, a little bit of it for, for these guys will be helping them. But they're not they're not like disasters, in my opinion. They're okay. They're, they're not, I mean, you know, it's just how they play. It's week to week. That's the thing is the inconsistencies of guys like this. So they're not like terrible, terrible, but they're uh, they can be average to below average, and that's kind of what they will hope for right now. I mean, any team who gets to their fourth and fifth tackle, Joe, it's like, yeah, cross your oh. fingers, man, and really hope the ball gets out early. I mean, and the Broncos are not not with tackles, but the Broncos are dealing with this on the other side of the ball with their linebacker situation, just because Alexander Johnson and Josie Jewell are now on IR, which means that the Broncos are starting Justin Sernod for his fifth game. And then Micah Kaiser, who wasn't even on the team a month and a half ago. Uh, so I, I definitely understand. I just, uh, the Broncos pass rush has actually kind of been disappointing this year, which is interesting just because they have a lot of resources dedicated to it. And granted, like part of it is Bradley Chubb's injury, which is a big deal because Malik Reed doesn't necessarily create one-on-one wins consistently. Uh, but the interior defensive line is not what it was supposed, like what it was expected to be, I guess is how I would say it. Um, Draymond Jones is still quite good, but I, we, they just haven't generated a lot of pressure to the point where Fangio is starting to send a lot of blitzes, but mm-hmm. then that, but then that's leaving your secondary kind of susceptible to big plays. And I mean, Broncos fans may not remember case Keenum super fondly because of like the Demarius Thomas miss against Kansas city, but he doesn't hesitate to put the ball up if there's opportunities to do so. So I could see him taking some shots. Yeah, he will. I mean, if you bring pressure and he can identify the route behind it, he'll rip it. Like he has, mm-hmm. he has no fear of that stuff, and he's playing with no. There's nothing to lose, right? I think that's the thing that Baker's been playing recently with is there's a lot to lose. You know, he could he could potentially hurt the shoulder more. He's thinking about money that's on the line for him. There's a whole bunch of different moving targets for for Baker where he's at mentally. But Case, it's like, hey man, this could be my last real shot in the NFL to show what I'm worth and what I can do, and that I'm. That I'm that I'm good enough to continue a being a backup, but I could I could be you know the next Ryan Fitzpatrick and be a stopgap quarterback as a starter still in this league for some franchise. So he he will throw the football. I have no doubt. If I were Denver, I wouldn't blitz a ton. I really wouldn't. I would trust that you can get pressure with your guys up front and that you can take advantage of some weak issues on the outside of the Browns' offensive line and make Case throw into traffic. That's that's what I would try to do is consistently make him beat you throwing into traffic. Because there's no there's no. I mean, you know, Baker started every game and for, for three and a half years now. There's no real, I mean, Case is not getting reps with these guys. Like, mm-hmm. there has been, 
None of that. So I would imagine week. there will be some timing and cohesion issues between the offense, as you would expect in this scenario. And the other part about this is, too, with both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb out, uh, the running back situation is Dearness Johnson. Um, and Correct. For, yep. And for Broncos fans, he hasn't touched the ball much, which makes him, I mean, I will say, like, from my perspective, the fact that Chubb and Hunt are not playing is a huge, huge benefit to ben- Denver because they've had issues stopping the run for a couple weeks now. And especially in the red zone, uh, the way Stefanski will use motion to create favorable angles or overwhelm the point of attack uh, or just create eye candy. I thought that, that, like, before we knew for a fact that Chubb and Hunt were both out, I was really, really nervous about that just because Sternod and Kaiser – that looks like, you know, shooting gallery a little bit. Um, so so that could be a big yeah. thing for Denver. Yeah, I mean, Dearness is a fine enough player. He's a He was an undrafted guy in 2018 who made the roster. He's done some kick return stuff. He's got like 100 and I looked at it earlier, like a buck 98 in his career on the ground. He had a nice little game against Dallas last year when um, the Dallas defense was in shambles at that point, and the Browns ran for like 280 yards that day. But that was the game Nick missed four weeks. That was the game he got hurt in uh, in 2020. So he took over. I think he ran for like 70 yards. And then he had a nice game against the Colts and closed them out. Uh, they ran a little gun uh, outside zone concept, and he ended up busting it for 30 yards. I mean, that's really been the extent of it. He's a nice player. He's he's uh you know he's a he's a backup borderline backup in the NFL, right? You know mm-hmm. he he was sitting behind Marlon Mack at South Florida for all that time, got his chance. I think he ended up being a second team All American guy. Sorry, all athletic conference guy. And he was, you know, he was okay. He does kickoffs. He's. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. He's not a, uh, he's not a special gifted zone runner like, you know, that, that Nick is. He's not as brutal downhill, uh, jump over you, run through you as Kareem is. And he's not as gifted in the pass game as Kareem is. So it's a big downgrade. I mean, you know, but at the same time, he's capable, you know, he's capable enough that if you give him opportunities, you know, I always talk about this. He'll be the Thursday night player of the game. You know, if you can, if you can't gap or maintain the Browns still block the hell out of it. Like they're really good at blocking zone and gap. They run more gap than zone, which surprises people. And if you don't, you know, if you don't hit your run fits the way you need to, these Dearness is capable. So, We'll see. Uh, he's going to have his first real opportunity in the NFL to get a lion's share of the carries, which is good for him. Happy for him. He's a good person. Great guy. And they'll also get youngster Demetric Felton involved, too. I would imagine they brought up John Kelly from the practice squad, too, who had a nice preseason. He's a very, very physical running back, too. Um, but Felton's interesting. He's a wide receiver hybrid running back at, at UCLA. He's spent most of his time in Cleveland playing more wide receiver because of Odell was coming back from injury and now. Jarvis went out week two, so he's been doing some different things in the wide receiver department. Is he's very gifted player too. Have not seen enough of him in the run game. He was he was more of of a uh, preseason running back where he had some nice little you know the bang bend 
uh, course stuff, bounce, bang, bend, and outside zone. He had a couple nice bends, uh, cutting it back to the backside. He's fine, but he's definitely a more gifted wide receiver, but they could get really creative with him and wide receiver from the backfield. Browns love to motion running backs in and out of the backfield. Multiple reasons, deducing coverage pre-snap is the obvious reason there, but they also like to get advantageous matchups in different locations. So expect to see Felton if they're going to be in third down situations. Uh, that's the plan that I would expect. As long as they trust that 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 between Johnson and and Felton, one of them can pass pro inside because you need one of them to pass pro. Uh, we'll see what they what they ultimately trust there. But the the generic plan is again we're learning on the fly. I've yeah. I've not seen the Browns in these sort of depth scenarios in my time covering them, and it's been a while. Uh, they, they they'll probably do early downs Dearness and late downs. Uh, Demetric just to get Demetric some chances to catch a football, but Dearness is a capable catching or catcher of the football too. Like he's not terrible at it. So, uh, the, but again, this is this is a lot of my stuff here is based on what I've seen in camp, going up and watching them or watching them in preseason. Like I have not seen these dudes play real high volume touch NFL carry. So it'll be a learning experience for me too. Well, and one of the things about it that makes me kind of ne nervous for this matchup is just that, again, the Broncos defense has had a lot of struggles. Um, and not only that, but beyond the Chubb injury, uh, Patrick Sertan has now taken over the starting duties at left corner. Uh, there is a chance that Caden Stearns makes his first start on Thursday if Justin Simmons' wife goes into labor. And again, I, you know, I hope if that happens, I wish him all the best. Like, I don't fault him by any means. But, but yeah. if that happens, Caden Stearns is making his first start on a short week against a team with a very good play caller. Um, the Broncos linebacker core has two new guys. And so like the, the chances for coverage bust seems very high. Um, even with, you know, the, the injury situation on the other side of the field. So that is a concern for me. And I, I'm glad you mentioned Ful uh, Felton because he's somebody who showed up in small doses when I was watching the tape and I could see Stefanski dialing up some isolated matchups against Sernod. Sernod mm -hmm. is a good run player. He does okay in coverage in terms of like, he's good in space. But I could definitely see him be isolated and fail in that regard. Um, he had some struggles. I want to say it was Cleveland. Um, that Or not Cleveland. Uh, I want to say Baltimore did that to him once. And then the Steelers did that with Najee Harris. Granted, it's Najee Harris. But, but I, I am concerned about that. Um, on the other side of the ball, though, because I want to be conscious of your time, but I want to touch on this because this is actually the side of the ball. Cleveland's still very strong here. Um, I know that Jadavian Clowney is questionable as of, as of right now. And I know JOK is on injured reserve, so he won't play. And I'm sad because I've really, really enjoyed watching him. Honestly, he might be one of my favorite players in the NFL at this point. Uh, but personal, personally, I'm a little relieved just because he's a destroyer. Um, sideline to sideline, the way he can clean up. Um, I mean, that'll almost definitely hurt, hurt the second level defense. Yeah, I had to put out a tweet about it recently because he's playing really, really well. And uh, I think he was becoming quickly one of the more special linebackers in the nfl like the dude is as twitchy click and close gifted as i've seen in cleveland now that bar is not high for cleveland linebackers but he's in the group right he's in the group that is changing games at the second level it's a rare thing for linebackers to do and i thought he was really changing games so we'll see i i think that maybe malcolm smith who is a, a veteran for them who's been around for a while a couple years now played pretty well this year before the abdominal issue he could be back but they also have Ronnie Harrison and they have John Johnson, guys who have done that before. They've come down in the box and been that type of player. They could get flexible there. But losing JOK hurts. It's definitely going to – because he was upticking. He started the year in like the mid-20s to, to low-30 snap count ranges. And the last two weeks he was over 50 last 
Uh, Chargers game is over 50 when they were clearly identifying him as a, a guy they could not take off the field. And he was up into 64 range at 64, 65 last week before he got hurt or something like that. I could have those two flipped around because, because he left early in the, in this one, but nonetheless, it's, it sucks. It's a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a while. It's going to change their defense a little bit because I thought they were settling into a groove with that, but maybe it can also provide some clarity to what they're doing at safety because I know you talked to me about the skill in the secondary is really strong in Denver, but they're not performing. It's the same way we feel in Cleveland. They have a nice group of safeties talent-wise between Ronnie, John Johnson, and Grant Delpit, but they're not performing the way we think they're capable of. So I don't know. Maybe moving one of them closer, getting all three of them on the field, trying to adjust some roles can help because the last two weeks they've been busting coverages like crazy, mm -hmm. playing a lot of quarters, leading the league in quarters, but they continue to bust coverage in quarters. Teams are manipulating them, doing bunches, doing – uh, turn releases, doing a whole bunch of different things that's putting different things that are putting a lot of stress on the coaching points and how they want their guys to play. So they're being what's called schemed up. And uh, we'll see if the Browns can come up with some answers for that. But that's been the issue. You know, the first four weeks of the season, it felt like they were really covering things well. And I think some OCs have picked up on tendencies for how the Browns guys are coached and have put stress on those things lately. So we'll see if Denver can do some similar things because you'll notice it right away. It'll be really easy to identify when they get schemed up because there's going to be nobody home. And there's just, it's just something that we've noticed lately is that teams have a great feel for what they're trying to do. The Browns do, what do they, how do they pass off routes or how does the safety's eyes identify number one, two or three in a, in a three by one look different things like that. So uh, they're susceptible there. And I, there's been all this conversation about communication and, and these breakdowns and players are saying it's the players. Coaches are saying it's the coaches. They're all taking credit, but somebody's got to step up and figure it out uh it's it's getting to a crucial point here so yeah the the jok thing stinks uh, Clowney played really really well last week played the whole game he has only missed the chargers game this year which he went into that chargers game with an elbow issue that was questionable and then all of a sudden didn't play because of a knee which was really weird to everybody that the knee i don't know if he did it in in warm-up training camp or that's the wrong way to put it in warm up or like run throughs uh, something. I don't know when he was in LA cause he traveled, he was on the sideline. He just didn't play because of a weird designation. That wasn't anything that we gathered. So we were a little nervous about that. So it was good to see him play last week. He's training toward playing. The rule has been um, Joe, that if you don't practice, they don't seem to play them. So mm -hmm. like if you DNP all week, you don't play now uh, this week's different because you're short a day, you know, day uh, normally you get an extra day late in the week of Friday, uh, whatever to get right and see if you practiced them. But like the only guy that I thought would play that was DMP'd all week was, was Odell. So it looked like Clowney was limited too. I think the guys, most of the guys who are limited, I think I have a pretty good feel will play. I don't know if they'll rush the tackles. Jedrick Wills has that sprained ankle in week one has been fighting it, fighting it, fighting it. Finally sat out last week. I think they might send them out one more time before they start their AFC North play next week. Makes sense. Uh, we'll see what's up. We haven't heard much about Jack Conklin. I mean, don't only hear anything. I mean, his agent's Drew Rosenhaus, so we don't get any insight into that whole thing. We'll see. But Clowney, I feel okay about playing, and I feel okay about most of the secondary playing in this one, too. The Really, the only loss is JOK, but it is a, it's a very important loss because as you were studying it, and I know other Denver people have been studying the Browns, too, he pops. Like, he jumps off the tape. He is a really good football player. So just like, you know, Denver will be having some linebacker issues, Cleveland will, too, and we'll see how they overcome them. Kind of the last thing before I let you go, because again, I know I'm keeping you. Uh, obviously, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, not not quite the same situation with as Baker, but he left the game uh, last week basically with a limp, uh, hurt his foot on a touchdown pass. We found out today, and again, as you guys are listening to this, it's going to be Thursday, 
but we found out that he actually also has a quad issue. Uh, basically, he's been limping, I mean, at the press conferences, at practice, all week. Um, he's expected to play, but there is a chance that Drew Locke actually ends up starting against the Browns. Uh, I guess for, and again, you've watched both a little bit, I would assume, Jake. Uh, first, do you, do you think the game plan really changes for either? I don't know. I don't know. They, I would, I would presume they've upticked their blitzing a little bit. Maybe if they get locked, they feel more compelled to bring pressure because that's something they like to do against guys who don't play a lot. They could, they could like to try to throw that wrench at them with Teddy. I would be a little less inclined to bring extra bodies at him, but I don't know. I, I think the Browns to, to, this is my opinion, Joe. I think they're really focusing on themselves. Yeah, because the issue is the Browns have been beating themselves because they're not communicating very simple things, it seems. So I don't know that they'll they would look at their game plan. Say if Kyler was out last week with the covid situation going on in Arizona, you would completely change your approach if Kyler was out. Yeah, I don't think if you get Drew and and Teddy flipped around, I don't think it changes much. I mean, there's going to be some tendencies. I think Drew's got a more gifted arm. Uh, obviously than Teddy, but I think Teddy processes the game a little bit better. So there's some different little wrinkles that you could mix in, but for the most part, I think it would stay the same. Whereas if you were going from a super mobile quarterback to, to Colt McCoy, who's the backup for the Cardinals last week, you would, you would alter your approach. So it's a good question. There might be some intricate details that they would attack and maybe look at their tendencies for certain, you know, maybe third and 14, like third and eight or more. We are going to do this to Teddy, but we with Drew, we want to, do a little bit more, maybe maybe cover three and rob the middle. I, I don't know. They're, I'm just giving you an example. That's the sort of little granular tweaks that you could see uh, a DC make, but nothing overhaulish. Let's say, hey, we're going to play more dime now because this quarterback does this, this, than this. I don't think that would happen all too much. And plus, it's a short week, man. A short week, and and you have such little prep as it is. I know most times teams who play Sunday, Thursday will start game planning ahead looking ahead at the next team to try to get a, a little bit out in front of it. They'll designate some coaches, some, some assistant coaches to assistant like position coaches and offensive quality or defensive quality control to really be looking ahead earlier than normal. But to me, it doesn't, it, it just can't, you just can't. There's such little prep time and, and you're worrying about your own guys in Cleveland so much because of all the things happening with the injuries on offense and all the things happening defense with communication issues where they just like, Hey, can we get lined up and run things right all the time? Like that should be the goal, you know? So I hope that, listen, I hope above anything else, a defense Joe Woods is structured that is is geared toward not giving up big plays, funneling, keeping explosives at a minimum, step up, tackle, you know, funnel, funnel throws to certain portions of the field, box them in, tackle them, bring up, you know, make teams go on 12, 15 play drives. That's the, that's the theory. It's a very popular NFL theory these days. Cleveland's trying to do it and they've done it well for the most part, but the last two weeks, Give up a 72-yard touchdown to 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 uh, Mike Williams. Give up a 40-yard touchdown to Mike Williams against the Chargers. Herbert's four touchdowns were with nobody within five yards of the receiver at time of catch. They're busting coverages. Last week against uh, Arizona, they bust the first coverage. Give up a third. It's third and 16 from the from the 17-yard line going in in the red zone. Third and 16. Give up a touchdown in the left corner of the end zone and cover six. They give up a touchdown late in the game on a quarters coverage where Ronnie jumps. Like they're just not doing the things they're supposed to do. So I would imagine a lot of the onus this week from the Browns is fix us before we worry about anybody else. So I would imagine that's the approach. It makes sense. And it's kind of a perfect storm kind of running into Denver where I think it's kind of a make or break game for the Broncos just because they've been, they're on a three game losing streak. 
Uh, they're about to hit kind of like the real meat of their schedule um, before mm-hmm. Cleveland's injuries. Like this game looked very, very daunting. Uh, even now it still looks, they could definitely drop this game. Um, and the, the scary thing for Denver is for you guys, dear listeners, uh, the Broncos dropped this game. They kind of head into a mini buy with one game before the trade deadline. They're three and four potentially kind of floating around near the bottom of the playoff chase uh, with the AFC West ahead of them. So if the Broncos drop this game, I I would not be surprised if George Payton starts to make calls and starts to sell off parts just because he's not worried about his job security. Um, and it might make sense to collect some draft capital and start to try and chase whatever's down the road. Um, it's going to be close though. I think, I think it'll be an interesting game. It might turn into a slog just because I think both defenses <laughs> theoretically should have the upper hand. Uh, yeah. I hope it's good though. I hope the game kind of like, we don't have more injuries on either side just because I do really like the Browns. I'm really rooting for you guys. Um, uh, except, you know, today, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, guys, again, if you do not follow Jake on Twitter, you go do it. He is at Jake underscore burns 18. You can find his work over at the OBR. Um, yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Joe, my pleasure, man. I think you're spot on. I think it's going to be an ugly game that not many people outside of Denver and Cleveland will watch or care much about. Um, but you're right. Both teams back uh, backs against the wall. It's it's must win for Cleveland if they have any hope of going the places they want it to go. And I know Denver is doing the same, right? If they're going to dictate where their season goes, neither of these teams can afford to fall to three and four. Uh, going into what is a mini bye week for both teams. So yeah, should be a fun. It, I can't, I can't say that it could be a fun game, but it will be a stressful game for both sides because there's going to be a bunch of, you know, less talented players than you're accustomed to seeing. And it's going to lead to some frustrating situations, but it, it, at the very minimum, both teams will be really hungry to win because they know they need it. So the hope is that that provides some sort of uh, quality to the game that maybe over, extends the lack of skill that is being forced onto the field with these injuries. So Joe, thanks for having me, man. Big pleasure of mine and uh, you know, fan of yours and, and all of that too. So, so keep crushing it this year, man. And again, thanks for having me on. Definitely.